Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing Fruitvale Station, The Fourth, and Now and Then. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. So the 4th of July is coming up. Yes, indeed it is. Yay. (laughs) Our favorite holiday. Yeah, it's never been one of my favorite holidays, and that just goes along with mostly loathing summer. Yeah. And once you've seen a few fireworks, you've probably seen them all. Yeah, I've become less enamored with fireworks as life has went on. I mean, I used to enjoy them, but even as a child, my favorite activity wasn't like explosion based. It was more so whenever my parents would let me get those little poppers yeah. and I would just go wild in the driveway and it's just, it was such a, a little cheap thing and I had a ball and there would be like these expensive fireworks in the neighborhood and I was like, don't care. I'm making these little, little bags of poppers. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same way. They would be like, Jessica, do you have your poppers? <laughs> And I'd sit there and throw them down. It's like an amped up version of bubble wrap. It's just yeah. so satisfying. I also like the jumping jacks where you light them and they go, oh, yeah. and they <laughs> get all colorful. Yeah. And my brothers would blow up all my Barbies. And I sometimes, well, I think most of the time I would choose the ones that they would blow up because <laughs> I'd be like, yes, you can blow this one up. And I would watch them. And one time we strapped some jumping jacks to a Barbie and then it just went, and like caught her hair on fire and that's it my best friend growing up was a pyro so i remember those times yeah my brothers would do all kinds of crazy stuff with fireworks they would try to have firework wars where we'd like hide behind makeshift forts and stuff and aim like um one of those things called the roman candles and it was pretty dangerous and i was like i want to be involved (laughs) baby jessica wants to participate in the roman candle fight yep I also enjoy some good 4th of July food, Mm -hmm. but it's mostly the dessert side that I'm interested in because cookout food, it doesn't impress me that much. That don't impress me much. It just uh, is pretty bland and I get excited for it. I've told you this before. I get excited for it and then I bite into it and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> the hot dogs are better than the burgers, I would say, because I get really excited for the burgers, and that's whenever I'm let down. Yeah. So, what would you say is a good Fourth of July dessert? Apple pie. Okay, keeping it strictly classic American. American. <laughs> no, I don't care, but I do love apple pie. <laughs> you can throw any dessert at me; I don't care. I will eat it. If you're just like milkshakes for Fourth of July, I'm like, let's do it. People do s'mores; that's fine. Although s'mores are kind of overrated for me. You made a milkshake for me. I was just thinking. Yeah. That was 4th of July? Um, yeah. My last 4th of July, I really remember participating in. is one of <laughs> my favorite memories. Is back whenever we, I think it was the first 4th of July we spent together, and I'd gotten my wisdom teeth out, mm-hmm. and I, I believe it was the first time I had hung out with like a big group of your friends. Yeah, probably, and then my family as well. Yeah, so it was a big night, but you made me that dope-ass milkshake. My mom was thinking, like, let's do s'mores, but make them fancier. Let's make them fun. And so I was like, okay. And so we got chocolate marshmallows and strawberry marshmallows and then dark chocolate Hershey's and milk chocolate Hershey's. But since you had your wisdom teeth out, you couldn't have them. So I was like, I'll make you a s'mores milkshake. You're such a good lady. (laughs) I love you. 
Love you too. <laughs> <laughs> good memories of the fourth. It's been about a decade since then. Uh, yeah. No good fourth since then, but eh. yeah. Not our bag. Yeah, they come and go. I'm always up for if they invent new fireworks and there's something special, sure, I'll watch those, but everything else I don't need to see. Before we get to talking about our 4th of July themed movie that we chose for this week in honor of the impending holiday, let me tell you about a couple things that I watched this week. Okay. So I watched this dope movie called Hunter Hunter, Mm -hmm. um, and it has your beloved Devin Sawa. Yes. Casper himself. Can I keep you? You would keep him. Yes. (laughs) And it's a new release from IFC Films, and I got the Blu-ray in from Shout Factory. For those who don't know, it's a movie... I'm not going to spoil it. It goes places. <laughs> but the basic conceit is that it's the 1990s, and there's a family of fur trappers living off the grid in Manitoba territory. And one day, they face the return of this wolf that the family kind of speaks about in hushed tones that has plagued them in the past. So Devin plays the father of this family, and he gears up to basically go take down the wolf to protect the family and keep all of the animals that they've been trapping from getting carried off by this wolf because it's their livelihood. So it sets itself up to be a man versus nature type story of this man facing this wolf. And then it just goes off to some crazy places, but it's very intense and interesting. It's a thriller. And there's also some very gory parts that made my eyes bug out a little bit, which was fun. (laughs) And I published a review earlier this week on geekvibesnation.com. And I say in that, that I want to preserve the experience for people that it's best not to go in knowing a lot about this movie. So if this premise even intrigues you in the slightest, I would recommend it. It's a very visceral movie. I don't think it would freak you out too much, Jessica. (laughs) I think you could handle it, but it's very very good. Yeah, since I can handle some stuff like Saw. Yeah. And if this sounds like a very dude, masculine movie, I will say that there are strong roles for women in this movie that, in a way, I wasn't expecting. So I think you'll especially appreciate that whenever we watch it. Cool. Yeah. I like that. That away, Devin. Yeah. (laughs) And it is interesting because we're going to be talking about Now and Then later. Like, just to see, (laughs) I watched them both in the same day. The evolution of Devin Sawa. He's a good guy i like him yeah but before we get to that we watched mr blanding builds his dream house which stars carrie grant and myrna loy and as i watched this i was thinking this is like that money pit movie (laughs) that jessica is always referring to and i enjoyed it i thought it was good i admittedly have a soft spot for myrna loy after watching her a lot in like the thin man movies this year and some other really good stuff and carrie grant's usually pretty great i liked him better in this movie than this other movie we watched earlier this year called Room for One More because he was less thirsty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I quite enjoyed this movie. It wasn't my favorite movie I've ever seen, but I thought it was quite pleasant. I liked it okay. I think I prefer The Money Pit. I have not seen The Money Pit. I've just heard you <laughs> refer to it, especially whenever we were buying our house. You're mm-hmm. just like, I don't want a money pit situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I need to see this movie. I need to see how wild it gets. Yeah, it's just... 
this one, I don't know, it was okay, but I guess I didn't find it as engaging as the money pit. But I do like Cary Grant a lot, and I like Myrna Loy a lot too, she's yeah. good. It just got boring for me towards maybe the a little bit after the midway point. I was like, okay, I'm ready for this to be done. My only qualm with the movie is there's kind of a, like an unnecessary jealousy aspect that's inserted. I mean, it's kind of teased throughout the movie, but it just doesn't really amount to anything in my opinion. So I think that could have been cut out. But otherwise, I was laughing. I just like the increasing budgetary and outlandish things that happen to this house. Just them having to keep modifying it and shifting their plans and very uh, exasperating. But I found it funny. And then finally... I watched this. Basically, I've described it to you as horny Lord of the Flies in space. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This movie Voyagers from director Neil Berger. It has a good cast. It has Ty Sheridan, Lily Rose Depp, Fionn Whitehead, who I don't believe I've seen since Dunkirk, and then Colin Farrell. And I'm very intrigued by the concept. It's basically about these kids that are raised specifically to go on this journey to go populate a different Earth because all movies are about us messing up our Earth and having to try to continue humanity. These kids, they're drugged on this spaceship to dampen their impulse control until a couple of them find out and they're like hey we're not gonna take this blue water that we've been drinking because we actually want to feel stuff (laughs) and then their hormones hit like a ton of bricks and it just freaking goes wild the execution it can be a bit cringy and all over the place i wanted to like it i love a good teen drama Mm -hmm. just teens being teens but this is unfiltered teens being teens, and it was just kind of all over the place. What are they supposed to do whenever they get to the planet after they populate or whatever? Are they just supposed to remain horny for the rest of their lives? Well, the thing is, it's kind of messed up, because the trip's supposed to take them, like, 80-something years, and they're supposed to be a specific time, like, in their 20s, where they're like, okay, you're going to repopulate, and then your grandchildren will basically be the ones who reap the benefits of this new planet. Mm -hmm. So they're basically on a, not suicide mission, but, like, they're intended to die on the trip pretty much because they're going to be in their 80s or something whenever they get Mm. there. Yeah. So they're supposed to just bone down whenever they're told to bone down because they're basically like blank slates that know nothing about the human world because Mm. they were raised in this specific environment. So they don't really know about war or boning down. (laughs) Just the human condition. They don't know any of it. They don't know to feel these specific emotions. So whenever they start feeling them, they just don't know what to do with it. If the mission had gone as intended, because obviously it doesn't, they get to this new planet or whatever, this new Earth, and they're 80 years old because some of them will be alive because they can still live at 80 and then they're just going to be a bunch of horny 80-year-olds just trying to bone all the time and then the other generations are like, Grandma, Grandpa, cut it out. I think that it's supposed to be once they start boning down, they kind of start living their lives pretty normally because they're supposed to be trying to repopulate the planets. I think if they get to a point where they've had children and they kind of know what the deal is, that they can instill values in those children because the whole thing is there's one adult on this space craft played by Colin Farrell who are supposed to be looking over these 30 kids who are just that's stupid this movie there's 
there's a lot of decisions that are made. But uh, how did he think that he could wrangle a bunch of horny teens, twenty well, year olds? These freaking people, this federation, they didn't even want us in any adults. He had to fight to because like, I want to protect them uh. and. It's a whole thing. It's kind of whack. But there are some interesting moments. But as an overall movie, it's kind of immensely flawed. And I was disappointed because the director, Neil Berger, he's made some good movies. Like, early in his career, he made The Illusionist. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, and then he made Limitless, which oh, we also both really like. One. And then this one. But I don't know what he was doing with this. He was wilding. Okay. So, not my most highly recommended of the week understandable but if you want to see pretty people just kind of losing their shit on a spaceship and like groping people and just spiraling like murder sex all this stuff because that's what everyone wants to see yeah so i think i'm feeling the urge to sundance shall we sundance yeah we shall We're trying to get home. What is going on? Next stop, Fruitvale Station. We're gonna go to Frisco, right? To the fireworks? Eh? You ain't gonna say bye? Bye. Love you too. Everything's changing around me. And I wanna change. Hey! hey. What's up, girl? I'm trying to get back on my feet. I really need this job. I hired somebody else. Fruitvale Station premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2013, where it won the Grand Jury Prize and the Audience Award for U.S. Dramatic Film. The film is a feature directorial debut of Ryan Coogler, and it stars Michael B. Jordan, Melanie Diaz, Anna O'Reilly, Kevin Duran, Chad Michael Murray, and Octavia Spencer. Oscar Grant was a 22-year-old Bay Area resident who loved his friends, was generous to strangers, and had a hard time telling the truth to the mother of his beautiful daughter. He was scared and courageous and charming and raw, and as human as the community he was a part of. The community paid attention to him, shouted on his behalf, and filmed him with their cell phones when BART officers, who were strong, intimidated, and acting in the way they thought they were supposed to behave around people like Oscar, shot him in cold blood at the Fruitvale subway stop on New Year's Day in 2009. Director Ryan Coogler makes an extraordinary directorial debut with a soulful account of the real-life event that horrified the nation. I had not revisited this movie since I caught it in theaters with one of my best friends back during its original run. And I remember at the end of that showing that I was kind of left in stunned silence because it was just a lot to take in and 
reckon with. And this movie, it's very tough to watch, but it's very well made and impactful and it leaves you feeling disgusted. But it's one that's important to watch and understand what exactly this young man Oscar went through and how even though you are disgusted by what happened, just knowing that it has continued over the years and it's still something that happens on a regular basis. It does a good job of showing the man behind the event. It doesn't really focus on the fallout and ramifications of what happens. It mostly just tells a day in the life leading up to the event. And I think it's really well done and it's a good approach to humanizing who he is. And it does a good job, I believe, of not showing him as a saint necessarily. It kind of shows a well-rounded depiction of this one character. It's very good. Yeah, this is my first time to see this movie, and it's pretty intense. Michael B. Jordan's performance is really, really good, and it really makes the movie something special, I think. Like you said, I like that they didn't make him look like a perfect person. He had his flaws, but the stuff that's happening, it seems like he's trying to make his life right, like turn it around on this last day, and like he has this supernatural sense that something's off and weird, but strange things keep happening throughout the day. So making him just kind of want to turn his life around, I wonder if that makes it more, not like Hollywood glossy or whatever, but just kind of more picturesque yeah. or anything. Yeah, I was kind of not struggling with this earlier. I was thinking about the accuracy of the movie and everything that's depicted within, not necessarily about what happened on the platform, mm-hmm. but everything leading up to that day. Yeah. And I was reading up a little bit to see kind of what is more based in fact and what's more based in fiction. And I think it's better to view this as a film that's trying to get across the feeling and overall impression of Oscar and where he was in his life rather than tell a 100% accurate representation of what happened on that day. Yeah. Because from what I can tell, it was kind of an amalgam of stuff that had happened in his life or happened in the director Ryan Coogler's life and shaping that into the narrative. Because there are things in here that kind of make you think, I'm sure that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Because there's like a scene early at a deli that he works at where he's interacting Mm -hmm. and kind of flirting with this girl and helping her with, she doesn't know like what fish to fry for her boyfriend. And apparently, while that didn't happen on that day necessarily, there was an interview with his grandmother that she had gotten a call before of him trying to help a girl with not knowing what fish to cook. Mm -hmm. So this had happened Mm -hmm. in his life, according to his grandmother okay but did it happen on the day before his death no yeah and then there's also a scene with a dog that didn't happen to oscar but apparently it happened to ryan coogler's brother Mm. so ryan couldn't account for some of the time in oscar's life in that day so he kind of just threw that in there as i mean it could be considered more heavy-handed because he said this pit bull that was thrown in there he made this scene because like african-americans pit bulls are often Mm. seen as like these dangerous animals who have no redeeming values and just seeing it dying in the street basically kind of symbolism and 
everything. Mm -hmm. It can be a little on the nose, but I don't begrudge him for including that. Yeah. I like that it did a good job at showing how connected to his family he was and how important his family was to him Mm -hmm. and how much he just loved them all and how involved they were in each other's lives. It was nice to see and this event is going to affect them. It humanizes everything and shows like this is a real family. This is real consequences. All of their scenes together, they're nice. It's not just that this young man lost his life. It's it's all the people that he leaves behind that loved him and how his death impacts them. And as we said, he wasn't great to his girlfriend all the time. Like it showed that he just recently cheated on her and they were bickering about that. Mm-hmm. And it also showed that he did love her and was trying to be a better man for her and trying to stop selling drugs. I think in real life it was said that he wanted to get out and get into barber school because he had learned how to cut hair when he was in jail. It doesn't specifically mention that in the movie, but he does say he wants to better his life. Yeah, he wants a better job and he's trying to get a better job and everything Mm -hmm. instead of just stealing drugs. Yeah, and that connection he has with, like I said, his girlfriend and his mother, I think it's very special. I mean, it's universal, but it's also very special and it just shows he wasn't exactly what the police officers depicted him as. Yeah, they think that he's just a thug. Pretty much everyone on that platform that they pulled aside, they just thought that they're thugs and worthless. Yeah, when he was just, he was celebrating his mom's birthday, he tried to get a party together, he was a dad who was hoping to come back to his daughter the next morning and take her to Chuck E. Cheese, and... Yeah, he just wanted to go home at that point, Mm -hmm. so... The whole movie is really heavy because at the beginning, they decided to put the actual footage Mm -hmm. at the front, so it's just present in your mind throughout the whole movie, and learning about Oscar and growing attached to him and wishing the best for him, but then you know what's coming. So there's like that sense of dread throughout the entire movie that I was feeling the whole time. And then once it actually gets there, it's it's really painful and intense to watch. And I mean, important to see, but it's just really, really sad. And I know that this happens all the time before, but this was before George Floyd. And in the scene, both the footage of the event and the scene in the movie, the officer knelt down on his neck and his head. Yeah. And in the actual footage, he was on his neck for a lot longer than in the movie and it's pretty haunting to see yeah i'm pretty sure that's just a common police like subduing tactic which is unfortunate because it's led to a lot of tragedy yeah but anytime of course that we see that we're gonna think of george floyd but just all the countless other people who have just been affected in this way senselessly murdered Mm-hmm. I had forgotten that the film began with that, and it's positioning itself as this is the movie. We're not going to hint or anything or tease what's happening. We're showing you right away. This is what we're leading to, and this is how we got there. Yeah, it's pretty jarring because I didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. It's like a gut punch right as you start. Mm-hmm. Just like there's no happy ending to this. And there are moments of just kind of where you get lost in Oscar's life because he can be a charming person and there are moments where you're just following him and you just kind of get lost in his journey. It's kind of almost dreamlike as he's going through and kind of reflecting on stuff and 
just taking in things. But then you get flashbacks to his time in prison and seeing him visit with his mom in prison while also dealing with some of the other inmates and some of the temper flare-ups that he gets into, showing that he does have... Quick to anger. Yeah, which some of that stuff is also comes back in the end. So like I said, it doesn't present him as just this stoic, unblemished figure in the world, but nothing he does justifies him losing his life. Yeah, that doesn't excuse someone killing someone. We shouldn't be doing that. There's that extra level of heaviness and sadness because you know that it's just as bad. And that was what year? This happened on New Year's Day 2009. Yeah. And this came out in 2013. So both points in history, it's been a while since then and nothing's really changed. I think it's a worthy endeavor to make art out of these experiences Mm -hmm. just in hopes that it will reach people and make them angry and realize the insidiousness of what is actually happening. Yeah, a lot of times that's what uh, film and art is good for, even literature and everything, because it puts you in someone else's shoes and then you can see new perspectives and learn and try to do better because a lot of things people don't know about and then it shines a spotlight on them. Mm -hmm. And it kind of propels change to happen faster, I would say, because it gets the public and the social consciousness involved. Yeah, it's pretty wild how movies and television can be so, like, it can be way more helpful in changing public opinion than just actually listening to news or reading art, because no one, people don't like to read and really immerse themselves in different perspectives, but they'll put on a movie and just take it in and be like, oh, I didn't know that. I, (laughs) I didn't think of things this way. Yeah, there's just so many things in history that we don't even know about yet and they'll make a film out of it and then we'll know (laughs) yeah just like with the hidden figures i had no idea about any of the mathematicians and human calculators yeah there so there's just all kinds of things this was a really strong feature directorial debut from Mm -hmm. ryan coogler i mean he's went on to even bigger things but as a starting place this was very impactful i mean it's wild to think of him going from this to eventually Black Panther and one of the most successful movies of all time. Yeah. But I like that he's consistently kept Michael in his rotation through Mm -hmm. like Creed and Black Panther and everything. Yeah, they work well together. I think I was already a fan of Michael at this time because I believe Friday Night Lights had preceded this. Mm -hmm, It did. And I've always loved him and I like that it gave him this launching pad that now he's a pretty sizable star and Mm -hmm. people love him because he's great. But I also want to give a shout out to Melanie Diaz, who plays his girlfriend, Sofina, mm-hmm. because she's a consistently great presence in movies. She plays a lot of different characters. I don't think she's been given as many opportunities as her talent deserves in kind of a lead capacity. Yeah. But every time I see her on screen, she's always good in it. I think she did a really good job here. Yeah, I really enjoyed her performance here. It was real. Like, she was in it. It mm-hmm. was good. And then, of course, the great Octavia Spencer. Mm -hmm. The role of just the loving mother, it could be kind of just one-dimensional, but this role is written in a way that, like you said, like with Sophina, it's real, and she loves Oscar, but she also kind of, like, pushes him to be better, and I like the little moments like whenever she uh, kind of confronts him on the phone, are you driving? And talking (laughs) on the cell phone, and just, he has to, like, pull over, and, because he loves his mom, he respects his mom, and he tries to... to please her. Yeah. So I think that was sweet. (laughs) 
I like the moments with his sister whenever she told him not to get a specific card, a kind of card, and then he did it because he knew that it would make her mad. Yeah, just a little sibling, like, picking at them. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. With Octavia's performance, I mean, she was, of course, great. Even the little moments with the phone call, whenever everything was happening, like the phone calls between her and Sophina, mm-hmm. it was really heartbreaking. Just whenever she got up and she's awake and then she's realizing what's happening and then she's trying to listen and then it goes back to her after she finds everything out and just the look on her face and how she says like I'm coming just breaks my heart yeah and just knowing how he got in the situation that she kind of is going to blame herself yeah because she was trying to keep him safe it's also very heartbreaking yeah so this movie it's not the lightest watch or anything Mm -hmm. but it's definitely worthy of your time I mean labeling a movie as important kind of sounds othering like you're only watching it because it's homework but it's not it's a very emotional journey and sometimes it's really worth going on that path of feeling even if they're not the best feelings just feeling those feelings that really crush your soul but in a meaningful way (laughs) like for for a purpose yeah it's good to put yourself in someone else's shoes and to empathize and Mm -hmm. learn it's okay to feel uncomfortable yeah oh good for you And how was it? What is that rating system? Well, I'm going to go with calls to grandma. (laughs) Because grandma usually makes things better. (laughs) Grandma knows. Yeah. And I would give this four and a half calls to grandma. I think I would give this four calls to grandma out of five. If you want to see how many calls to grandma you would make, this movie is currently available on Netflix or on (laughs) Blu-ray. I forgot the lighter fluid at the store. Like, I came in here about an hour ago, and I bought lighter fluid, but I already paid for it. Great, you got a receipt? Uh... Thanks a lot, man. What the fuck? Oh, sorry about your bike, Pee-wee! You're having a party? Uh, well, I just wanted to get together. July. Sorry. The fourth premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2016. It was written and directed by Andre Highland. It stars Andre Highland, Johnny Pemberton, Anna Lee Lawson, Yasmin Kittles, and Eliza Coop. It's the 4th of July in LA when Jamie, a down-on-his-luck illustrator who's behind on rent, tries to throw a cookout while his overbearing roommate is out of town. When he decides to borrow his roommate's bike for a quick trip to the liquor store to grab lighter fluid, his entire day goes up in smoke. Sparked by a strange incident with a road rager, Jamie soon finds himself far from home and trapped in a series of awkward, absurd, and infuriating situations. I went into this movie knowing that it would be very frustrating, so I definitely think that helped. It reminds me a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. So I think if you don't enjoy Curb or Seinfeld, you might not like this that much. And also just knowing how frustrating it's going to be helps, so (laughs) it softens the blow, I guess. But I like this movie pretty well. It has a really low rating on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, but I think people are being too harsh on it. I think it's an enjoyable way to pass the time, (laughs) and it's not even that long either, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. 
him or anything. And like, it's very Curb Your Enthusiasm with like the people that he encounters because just how like heightened they are just saying like strange things, like the strangest part of the psyche where people might think it, but they're not going to say it or do anything like that. It's like they're being difficult on purpose. It's strange in that way, but I don't know. I kind of like it. Yeah. You love reveling in the (laughs) uncomfortable absurdity of of life. Yeah. There's this ongoing bit with truck nuts in it, and it makes me laugh just because, like I said to you while we were watching, whenever he was trying to give a description of the truck, and he, he was saying that the truck had truck nuts, yeah. and the person automatically was like, this is some pervert trying to play a prank on me whenever he's talking to the police department. I was just like, no, I mean, a normal person would just be like, oh yeah, truck nuts, cool, I'll write that down. Yeah. Or if they didn't know, they'd be like, quick, Google, you said truck nuts? Okay, Googled, got it. Okay, I'm writing that down. <laughs> These nuts! This is just because he said the truck had testicles. It's just like, nope. Yeah, but then he was like, no, I mean like truck nuts, you know. Yeah. I wasn't thinking that it was going to be as curb-esque as it was. I wasn't prepared for a series of uncomfortable interactions. I know we mostly chose this movie because we were saying, are there any 4th of July Sundance movies? And <laughs> hey, Sundance provides. Yes. Sundance. Sundance always provides. Yes. But I didn't have the highest expectations for this so I guess the movie surpassed my expectations Yeah, I don't love it I think that's mostly a me thing because I'm one of those people that I just get so uncomfortable <laughs> I guess that's interesting considering I just said it's okay to be uncomfortable yeah. in the last one but this I, is like the cringy uncomfortable yeah and I survived it and I'm fine with it yeah Especially like when we're watching Curb, I'll just watch these interactions where I'm saying, oh, why are these people doing this? Why are people acting this way? This makes no sense to me. Yeah, because it's like caricatures of people. Yeah, this road rage incident, (laughs) it's just a normal dude. Jamie is just riding his bike in the road, but there's two (laughs) lanes The truck can go around him, but the truck just feels he needs to slow down and just call him names and just antagonize him for no reason. But that's just a normal thing. You're supposed to ride your bike in the road in most places. You're not supposed to ride it on the sidewalk. They usually have bike lanes. Yeah. But this truck, he could just go on. He can just go around. There's plenty of room. But no, he just wants to take a moment to just tear him down for no reason. Yeah. And then he just keeps going. Keeps coming back. He follows him and then... Just saying, like, you think you're a big man now? And I'm like, what? I'm just, I'm in (laughs) Jamie's headspace where I'm like, what are you talking about? This has, there's no reason to be having this conversation. And (laughs) it's so wild. Yeah, it's just so weird. Because it doesn't affect him at all. He Mm. could just drive by and just be kind of irritated that he's in the road, but just keep driving. But then he just makes a big thing about it. Yeah, whenever Jamie tries to de-escalate, he basically calls him a punk and just... (laughs) Jamie does pretty much what I would do. I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm a punk, whatever. And just like... Tries to go away. Yeah. Walk away. And just dude's not having it. He wants to have that interaction. So frustrating. Yeah. It's just like people continuously not understanding Mm -hmm. and not listening, which is like the same thing that happens in Curb. Yeah. But the protagonist of the story will try to explain what's happening and just reasoning with them. Like, no, I need to do it because this is... And they're like, I don't care. You can't do whatever. Like, I'm not going to let you do this. And they just intentionally don't listen and then run over the person and Mm -hmm. don't talk or communicate. And 
it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, this movie is basically my nightmare of just not being heard or yes. understood because what he's doing seems so reasonable. I mean, he can occasionally be ridiculous and yeah. be kind of like spacey and yeah. everything. Like there's a prime example of this. Sorry, people. This gets under my skin. He's in a like an Uber yeah, that's what I was saying. And he's about. talking to an Uber driver and he's trying to get him to follow the truck that has done him wrong. And the moment that he mentions that there's a black guy driving the truck, it just <laughs> spins out to this Uber driver doesn't understand what he's supposed to be doing, why he's supposed to be doing it, and he just thinks this guy's a racist and Yeah. But it's so weird because, like, if I was the Uber driver, I would totally understand what he was saying. And I would be like, okay, well, this is going to be a little bit hard with the app stuff. But yeah, yeah, we can try. I know what you're saying. If I was like, why are you following him? And then he explained everything. I'd be like, oh, okay, I get it. Let's get the license plate number and then I'll drive you to where we need to go. But no one is acting reasonable in this movie. (laughs) And I hate it. Yeah, it's just strange. Uh, Just talking about, like, the truck nuts come in again. And then he's like, oh, why would you immediately... What did he say? Like something about like the white truck nuts? Yeah. The whole thing is, are you sure the guy's black? He has white truck nuts. Yeah. Why would he have white truck nuts? But I was thinking, I've never seen anything other than white truck nuts. I don't think they sell other kinds. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't dove in depth to truck nut culture. So. I mean, it would make sense that the tacky, gimmicky Spencer's Gifts things would also be racist and yeah. not make different skin color. You want to get the nuts that really fit you. <laughs> You really, you really want to get the right shade. Yeah. You don't want the wrong colored nuts. There are so many other things that don't have different skin colors. So it would make sense that they would also not have a range of skin colors. Yeah. It's just a lot. Yeah. It's a lot for me. (laughs) It's very funny, but. I wouldn't say that it's laugh out loud funny. It's more just like, what? (laughs) And like chuckles and then uncomfortable laughter. (laughs) Yeah, because this guy, he goes through thing after thing after thing of just mishap after mishap and I sympathize with him. I really... He's trying to be reasonable in a world without reason and just ridiculous people. Like, even whenever I saw the little blurb what it's about, he's just trying to go get lighter fluid for his cookout. Mm -hmm. I just automatically knew, like, oh, this is probably going to be a whole journey through the movie that it's going to take him a while to get back to this party and even get lighter fluid. Yeah. So I was expecting all of this struggle and uncomfortableness. <laughs> the little parts that people play that pop up that I've seen in other things, like Johnny, but also Eliza and the guy who yelled at the other guy for beating his car with a giant gummy bear. Oh, yeah. Johnny did a really good job. I liked his part. <laughs> he was just like a doofus. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Pemberton, he's so good at just kind of playing <laughs> kind of a dope, but... Yeah. <laughs> He's very funny in this, especially when he's interacting with a friend. He goes and picks up the, at the airport yeah. who won't let go of the fact that he has a tradition of eating certain foods when he lands. And That's just another thing. Just that whole conversation. I've just, no, we're going to a cookout. We're not stopping to get your food. But I always do this. Why can't I just do this? Johnny, he's also frustrating at Mm -hmm. times, but even then he's very funny and I really love him. And you mentioned Eliza and just her. (laughs) There's a whole saga of Jamie trying to find a bathroom to pee in. It was so wild. And just her vocal affect and the way she manipulates like a convenience store clerk is so perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that convenience store clerk is ridiculous Mm because he's all horned up and just trying to uh, bro out with Jamie. And Jamie's just like, I 
don't want any part of this. Yeah, he wants them to engage. Yeah. It's just more the stuff like whenever bros are like, right, right, man, whenever they say that and then the guy that they're saying it to should be like, no, like, what are you doing? That's whenever it's a good chance to call him out. But Jamie doesn't engage, which is good. I know this isn't part of the movie. It's not like a feminist movie, but just in real life situations, that's where you can call your bros out (laughs) and say, no, this is stupid. He kind of does that mental math of just, all right, I don't know this guy. And is it worth even trying to engage with him on this issue? (laughs) No. Yeah. I thought Johnny's character was going to be more reasonable because he started out that way, like understanding and helping him out. But then some of the things that he does where it's just simple things like, why wouldn't you just do that? Or he's like, can you just keep this gate closed? And he told him the reason why to keep the gate closed. But he's like, no, I didn't want to keep going down there. He doesn't want that responsibility. <laughs> it's so wild. I don't believe I'd seen Andre Highland in much before. I don't remember seeing him in anything. But I found him very amusing as a mostly straight person in this. Like, mm-hmm. he has his moments of ridiculousness and just uh, immaturity. But I think he plays it very well. Especially just whenever he's, he's interacting with people. Just kind of the ease. And a lot of the conversations seem really natural. Early on in the movie, he's having a conversation on the phone with the person and just hearing his side of the conversation and how he's kind of tripping over his own words just the vocal like affect he has and it really amused me because it just sounds like I'm overhearing like one of my friends talk to someone and yeah I noticed that whenever he would trip over his words it sounds like some of the dialogue is improv but they did a good job if it is yeah just go into this not expecting hilarious laugh out loud stuff and you will be frustrated but that's part of the journey and it doesn't end badly or anything so no i mean there's not a really uh emotionally like affecting arc or anything it's just this one particular day in this guy's life that Mm -hmm. just devolves and goes into the most whack places but at the end you're just kind of like all right that was that was a journey yeah i think people are being way too harsh with it and definitely give it a watch Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. What is your rating system? My rating system is giant gummy bears. Okay. (laughs) I think I'm going to give this movie three giant gummy bears out of five. I was thinking about two and a half, but I'm going to go three. Yeah. Even though I was uncomfortable a lot, like I said, that's okay. So I would uh, have three giant gummy bears out of five as well. If you would like to give this movie a shot, it is available for streaming on Peacock and available on Blu-ray as of this recording. Just about the only thing that didn't surprise us that summer was who our friends were. It's too bad your mother's dead. Somebody needs to teach you to act like a girl. Uh, say we make a pact. Whenever we need a friend, we're here for each other. No matter what happens in life. She was really beautiful. We're here for each other always. Best friends for life. For life. It's coming. I think I saw its head. You saw its head? You didn't see its head? You didn't see its head. New Line Cinema presents Christina Ricci and Rosie O'Donnell as Roberta. You're a woman on the verge. She's like a volcano ready to erupt. Laura Birch and Melanie Griffith as Teeny. You are a sexual magnet attracting men from the four corners of the world. Gabby Hoffman and Demi Moore as Samantha. Don't be afraid to take the plunge. You might surprise yourself. He's back and we brought him here. 
Ashley Aston Moore and Rita Wilson as Chrissy. Let go of your inhibitions before you dry up like a prune. Get it out! In a film about who we were. If you mention this to anyone, I'll beat the hell out of you. Who we are. And the friends. That looks like Rush Limbaugh. We have to thank for it. Roberta, truth or dare? Truth. How big are your boobs now? Well, just how big are your boobs? 36 D. And with every penny. All stores. One for all. Now and then. Now and Then was released in 1995. It was written by I, Marlene King and directed by Leslie Linka Gladder. It stars Christina Ricci, Thora Birch, Gabby Hoffman, Ashley Aston Moore, Demi Moore, Rosie O'Donnell, Melanie Griffith, and Rita Wilson. Four childhood friends now in their 30s, whose lives have gone in separate ways, return home to support one of them through the end of her pregnancy. While visiting, they reminisce about the particularly eventful summer of 1970 when they were 12 years old. The girls were trying to earn money for a treehouse, which in turn led them into an adventure filled with discoveries. Dylan, I love this movie. It is one of my favorite coming-of-age movies, and I think people are also a bit harsh with this one, which is very unnecessary, and I don't think it is contrived at all, like, to be sappy or sweet. I think it's very natural, and it has emotional moments, and they are nice, and the cast is crazy strong. All of the girls, the little girls, are amazing, and I think the adult versions of them are good as well. I mean, the Rosie O'Donnell casting is a little off like for Christina yeah but it still works and I like it it's one of those movies that I saw whenever I was I think 13 or something you were the perfect age yeah I think I was about 13 whenever I saw it it's just one of those movies where I could see a girl coming of age story like a female perspective Mm -hmm. it was highly relatable and I loved it and it has the soft spot in my heart and I love Christina Ricci and Thor Birch and Gabby Hoffman they're pretty excellent and I of course thoroughly enjoy that Devin Sawa is in this movie he was great as well (laughs) his character was very amusing and sweet I really liked it yeah but yeah also this movie has a banging soundtrack like exceptional it's full of bangers and I love Yeah, I saw you over during our viewing of this doing a little uh, knocking three times. Yeah. Oh my darling, knock three times on the ceiling if you want. It's just like hit after hit after hit. You were in it. Yeah. You introduced me to this movie (laughs) back in the early days of our dating. And I believe the lore of our relationship is that I fell asleep during this. Yes, you did. Um, So I will count this as the first time I've seen it in full. (laughs) I'm a very sleepy man whenever I uh, watch movies. So sometimes I have to be uh, roused uh, to make sure I get everything. I quite enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very touching. And it hits right in the wheelhouse of what I enjoy in a movie. So Mm -hmm. I didn't find it contrived or anything. I really like the cast. Like you said, they're all very strong. I do feel the adults, they're not really given a lot to do. It's not really their story. I like that they eventually reunite as adults. Mm -hmm. But if there's any like kind of weak part of the movie, I think it's that. It adds to the movie, but it's not like, it's not fleshed out enough to really be like a significant part of the movie, I think. Yeah, I think that's how a lot of people feel. Samantha's character, who is played by Demi Moore and Gabby Hoffman, is narrating Mm -hmm. so there's that tie-in throughout the movie i mean it's good to see the 
Chrissy character, like they're coming together because she's giving birth. But if that whole part had not been in the movie at all and it had been kind of just a narration of Demi Mm -hmm. and just be like, oh, that's Demi Moore as a narrator, (laughs) I think it probably would have been just as strong. But you would have also lacked the kind of... Yeah. And the sadness of like growing apart, but then also the joy of coming back together. Yeah. I like that they have that part, at least at the end Mm -hmm. with them, because I like that they reconnect, but they also have that point where they realize like how important they are to each other again, which is nice. It gets me. Yeah. It reaffirms their connection because they make certain promises as kids, but just to do that again as adults and just try to maintain that connection and really just say like, no, we want to be better about sticking with one another and being with one another. I mean, it's nice. Yeah, I believe them at that point, Mm -hmm. so I think that they will. Yeah, it's very relatable to live a life where your connections kind of start to drift apart and people you thought were once friends that you would never be apart ever become almost strangers to you. Mm -hmm. Like, they're still there, but you don't know every single aspect of their life like you once did. Yeah. So I think this movie really captures that, but then also there are those friendships, your OG friendships, where even if you're apart for years, years and years once you come back with one another you snap right back into place Mm -hmm. people often compare this movie to it's like the female version of stand by me and you know what i think it's better than stand by me oh just because stand by me was in the 80s and this was 1995 so it's overdue for a group of girls to have an adventure over the summer and do things that are what little girls do they want to explore just as much as boys do yeah the summer is filled with them researching this murder that happened in their town and they're trying to figure out what happened and lay the spirit to rest because they think that they bring him back Mm -hmm. and also within that it's them dealing with their personal struggles in their lives like getting older and your body changing and divorced parents and all kinds of stuff so it needed to be made it should have been made earlier too it's nice to have a movie that deals with all of that stuff and it's from a female perspective like written and directed by women so I really love that yeah like as a guy watching this movie I was never thinking like Ugh, this isn't for me I don't understand this I was like no this is entertaining and I understand what's going on I never taped my boobs down like Roberta <laughs> was doing at the beginning of the movie but I understood that she wasn't wanting to experience that at that time and it was like a part of her development that she wanted to keep at bay as long as possible her mother is dead and she's in a house full of boys she has brothers and her dad and her dad has no idea about all this stuff and she's afraid of her changing body because she doesn't have her mom there to walk her through it and help her and like relate to her I mean she has her friends but it's different whenever you you don't have your mother there to talk to her about it so I think it also just scares her to get older get older without her mom there and then there's going to be that point where she's going to be like the same age that her mom was whenever she died and and then she has to pass that age and she's going to have all these milestones that her mom isn't there for Mm -hmm. and she's really struggling with it yeah it's very poignant but like I said I never was thinking like I can't relate to these characters I'm a guy I'm just like no this is just a human story yeah I love the fact that they had them do all kinds of stuff just whatever they wanted to do because girls do all kinds of things they don't just sit in the room and play with dolls and they don't just sit and brush their hair or whatever they do all kinds of stuff they play sports they ride their bikes they investigate murders (laughs) yeah they were they were getting into some stuff they were riding around town they were pranking each other they play pranks yeah (laughs) the fake drowning classic yeah like they do all kinds of stuff 
Yeah. Bust each other's balls. <laughs> just, yeah, just razz on each other. Yeah. These young women, they do such a good job in these roles. I think all four of them are equally as strong. They each bring something special to their characters. They have their distinct personality traits. And any one person who watches this will have their favorite. Like, okay, I like this character. She, like, she does this one thing and I like her the best. Or I like this girl the best. Yeah. I wish that I could see Thora Birch and more things because I have always loved her since Hocus Pocus, of course. She's so good. And in this role, she is so fantastic. Like, she nails it. I usually take notes on movies I think we're going to be discussing. And my note for uh, Thor Birch that I have down in my phone is big Thor energy. <laughs> because her performances, I love her to death. But she's very, usually very big. Like, she's yeah. very, like, ah! <laughs> yeah. And it fits her character because she's supposed to be the dramatic one. And she's going to grow up to be an actress. Yeah. It's very funny to see her on screen just kind of being larger than life and she does kind of the same thing at hocus pocus of just like she's no wallflower she's just kind of like here i am yeah she wants to be in the fray she wants to be the center of attention but this one is more like a mature energy because they're 12 verging on teen and so it's like more sexual like interest and yeah. everything so she wants to be like a grown woman but she's not she's like a little grown woman she's yeah. a little woman <laughs> My little women. (laughs) (laughs) And I like how she gets really amused at how Chrissy is uncomfortable with whenever she talks about certain things and she'll push Chrissy and Mm. like push her buttons. (laughs) Yeah. Like doing the Cosmo quizzes and everything. And she's like, typical, like with Chrissy's answers. Yeah, because Chrissy's just more of a pure, innocent one. But she also has her moments. She There are moments like with wieners and butts mm-hmm. where she's just like, all right, guys, if you're daring me to look at this, like, I'll look. Because everyone's going to be talking about her like, no, we're not daring you. She's like, you, okay, I'll look. Yeah, but that's what I like about Chrissy, though, because on the surface, someone will watch this, they will say, oh, Chrissy's like the uptight prude or whatever, Mm -hmm. and she's innocent and naive, but she's not really. She's really smart, and she knows things. I don't think she is a prude at all. She's very open to everything, Mm -hmm. and her mom just explained to her about sex. Like, at the beginning, it opens with whenever it comes to the girls, the little Mm -hmm. girls part, she explains to her about sex, like the the flower watering and everything, Mm -hmm. and she just takes it, like, matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So she's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, she's not just like, oh my gosh, no, ew, mom, don't. She learns it, and then she's like, okay, I know about that. And then they'll talk about it. She'll input with her info, like, yeah, that's like where the man waters the flower, right? And then they're like, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's not her fault that her mother (laughs) doesn't feel comfortable talking about sex with her daughter. That's like where parents should just use terms, like medical terms and everything, and the kid understands everything, and it's not such a big deal. She just goes along with it. She's not opposed to anything she gets like annoyed because she wants to just have fun and be and not just have the complications of sex and everything in it yeah i like the line about how her mother's description fueled her obsession with gardening as an adult yeah okay i get now just every time i think of flowers i just get super turned on i don't know what's going on yeah (laughs) 
But this movie it has a lot of heart and mm-hmm. a lot of humor. Like, there's a lot of humor that's relatable to anyone. <laughs> it, I was laughing pretty consistently throughout. Yeah. I think it came out the same year as Casper, but it's, like, Christina and Devin again, together again. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even thinking about Christina and Casper. I just, I was just thinking of Devin. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it came out in 95 as well. So it's, like, they probably went from that movie to this movie. Two perfect movies in one year? Yes. Heavy hitters. <laughs> I mean, we've been praising the girls, but, like, Devin has usually pretty consistently been one of the really good child actors, and now growing into a proper teenager and then to where he is now, like I said, with Hunter Hunter, he's pretty fantastic. I love him, so I love just any time he pops up in a movie, I'm happy. Yeah, me too. And the smaller, like, bit parts for a bunch of people, all of those parts, the cast is super strong. There's a lot of big names in this movie, Mm -hmm. so it's pretty great, like Bonnie Hunt and Jenny Garofalo. Yeah. And Hank is Zaria. There's a lot of people in there. Oh yeah, Brendan Fraser. That was awesome. I love his part. Yeah, it's a very interesting part because he's playing basically a veteran who's just walking through town. like a Yeah, he, he's coming back from Vietnam. Yeah, and he never treats the girls as little girls. He just kind of talks to them as people. Yeah. And it's a very, like, even whenever they're trying to do stuff to appear older, he's not like, what are you doing, kids? He's just like, all right, yeah, I'll uh, offer you a cigarette, I guess. I don't know. You're just girls. Yeah. But it's not creepy or anything. No, like the girls are trying to be flirty because they obviously like him and think that he's cute, but he's just talking to them like humans. And then I love whenever they commiserate, whenever he says, I'm going to tell you something, your parents don't know anything. And then Thora, who is teeny, looks at him and is like, yeah, no shit. And then he just kind of smirks like this kid gets it. Yeah. I like the little looks that they exchange. Mm -hmm. It's a very nice scene just to see them interact with an adult who's not their parents and not directly impacting their lives, but also so just gives them a deeper insight into the world. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of parts in here where they grab my heart, but there's one particular scene where it's Samantha and Teeny in the treehouse that they want to buy, talking and hanging out. And you have Demi's narration come over where it's like, when you're 12 years old, you only live in the present. And I just think that moment is so good. And it really, it chokes me up a lot because it's just, it's so relatable. Just looking back as Demi's character, is doing mm-hmm. and saying how like you only know the present you're not thinking of anything else like the future or worrying and everything's so easy just like carefree that. yeah it's just everything's all or nothing and then just as you get older losing that and then looking back on it is really tough just it gets me a lot <laughs> yeah very poignant mm-hmm. and you're just like man this movie gets it yeah it's both sad and beautiful to watch as you said, I know this is one of your favorite coming-of-age films, and I would also agree it's one of the better films of this type that I've seen. It's a bummer that not a lot of really good movies like this are made these days. Mm-mm. Definitely need more. Need more from all kinds of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's sad that they're still just not making enough from different perspectives, whether it's like race or gender or anything. So watch this movie, fall in love with it like I have. Yeah. And ladies, sit this one out. <laughs> Fellas, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Seriously, don't look at this movie and think, oh, it's about a bunch of young girls. What am I going to get out of this movie? You're going to get a damn good movie with heart and humor. So just check it out. Do it! Just do it! Yeah, and a lot of poignant moments. A lot of things about the human condition. Don't you want to know and learn about the human condition? It's amazing. We're all here and we're alive. Oh.
I'm alive. Where has your heart led you with this rating system? <laughs> My rating system is friendship bracelets. Oh. I would give this movie five friendship bracelets out of five. Whoa. Yeah. So it's a lot of friendship happening. <laughs> a lot of love. What is your rating system? I'm going to go with Gambling Grandmas. <laughs> we didn't even touch on Cloris Leachman, but yeah. she's in there. And I love that lady so much. Yeah. I miss her. Yeah. I would give this a solid four and a half Gambling Grandmas out of five. <laughs> Like I said, just some of the adult stuff, just a little extraneous. It's still good, but just shaved just a little bit off. All right, I understand. If you would like to experience this movie, this little slice of joy for yourself, it is available currently digitally or on DVD. Someone pick it up and give it a Blu-ray. Please. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Home Dance Film Festival. Join us again next week when we will be discussing 2018's Juliet Naked, starring Rose Byrne and Ethan Hawke, and 2001's The Believer, starring Ryan Gosling, plus a wild card that you will have to wait to hear about. For those who want to prepare at home, Juliet Naked is currently available on Voodoo with ads or on Blu-ray, and The Believer is available on Prime Video. If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod. Leave a rating or a review. It helps us out. That would be great. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DylanGonzalez2. You can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on GeekVibesNation.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at JessicaNarrates. You can also find me contributing to GeekVibesNation.com. We are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at MusicByAndrewCarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at the Art of Ben Belcher. I've been Jessica. And I've been Dylan. We hope you can find the truck nuts that best represent who you are. God bless America. Bye! Bye. Gucci!